source of true delight, whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight, that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding I'd like to ask if you would to turn in your Bibles to the 14th chapter of St. John. And there I'd like to read um, a few verses that you have in your bulletin. St. John chapter 14, begin with verses six, begin reading with verse 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And then verses 26 and 27. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This verse would be the focus of our sermon this evening. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The legacy of Christ Chapter 14, um, as you are all um, aware, I'm sure, is um, what I call the heart-regulating chapter of St. John. It's often also called the farewell discourse. And in this particular chapter, uh, our great physician seems to not only examine his patients, determine that they are suffering from heart trouble and then prescribes them a remedy for their condition. In the previous chapter, our Lord and his disciples celebrate, as it were, the Last Supper. And Jesus warns, of course, during that time of Judas' betrayal. In our present text, however, Jesus tells the disciples that I go to prepare a place for you. It's goodbye, or at least an announcement of his leaving and going to his father. The deepest human affections, the strongest bands of fellowship, the enduring and enduring love of friends and certainly family could not prevent Christ from doing the will of his father, however. 
It appears as if the one who was born in due season, as the prophet tells us, was now preparing to die on time. Jesus goes into some detail concerning our eternal abode, ensuring those listening as well as those of us who are now reading his words that he knows the plans that God has for us. By saying, I go to prepare a place for you in verse 2. He is not sending a delegate or a surrogate, but Jesus said, I go. This is not a work that's been relegated to angels, but Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place. With Christ going to prepare this place, it leads us to believe that our Lord is both designer and builder. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And in doing so, our Lord certifies that all the measurements of this place, its design and its furnishings, will meet his specifications. In spite of Jesus leaving, he's leaving to take care of business. This is not a pleasure trip. That is, he's going to take care of the business of the kingdom and its citizens. It seems that to merely be in the presence of the glorified Savior is heaven enough. So that... So what must this place that Jesus is going to build be like? The one who spoke the world, the oceans, the earth, the seas into existence with all of their splendor as well as all living things, plants, insects, animals, all with their own complex yet complementary system says, He is going to prepare a place for us. That is Jesus. Not hired hands, not subcontractors, but Jesus is going to prepare this place. Therefore, we must conclude that it's a special place because Jesus is preparing it. It's not being constructed here where moths and rust can compromise its quality. It's also an exclusive place because it's being readied for God's people and no one else. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus is going to superintend its construction. I'm going to ensure that only the very best materials are used. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yes, I'm going, but Jesus also says in chapter 14, in verse 3 now, I'm going, but I'm also returning. He's returning victoriously. As the church will be ushered into our new abode by the conqueror of our salvation. Jesus is coming back gloriously because he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, according to 1 Corinthians 15. 
He is gloriously returning because he was raised by the power of God with a glorified body. Glorious because Christ was given a name that is above every name, according to Philippians 2.19. He's also coming back powerfully because the Lord has triumphed over the power of sin on a cross. He's coming back in power because Christ will deliver the kingdom to God the Father, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four. Though departing, the Lord Jesus promises to return. I will come again. But in the meantime, he will not leave the disciples alone or as orphans. Our Lord guarantees to give the disciples the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, another comforter, paraclete, or one who goes alongside of. In verses 6b through verses 14, Jesus pointedly explains to the disciples that he is the revelation of God the Father, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And says to them that no one has access to God the Father except through him. That is Jesus. St. Paul told the church at Colossae in chapter 1 verse 15 that he is referring to Christ, the image of the invisible God. In verse 10, Jesus explains that he is in the Father and the Father is in me in this ongoing dialogue. Meaning that there is no separation of will or intent within the Godhead. There is perfect unity within the Godhead. In verse 12, Jesus further explains that while he is gone, there is to be no work stoppage, however. With the power of the promised Holy Spirit, greater works than these which Jesus has done shall the disciples do. Now, the works that the disciples will do will be greater in quantity, but not in quality. Because Jesus' earthly ministry was regional at best, but the ministry of the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to be to the entire world. St. Mark chapter 15, 16 rather, verse 15 reminds us that we are to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. In verse 13, Jesus says that while he is gone, the disciples, you can use my name. The sum total of Christ's influence and the totality of Christ's authority is given to the disciples. You can use my name. Use of his name will give the disciples the power to cast out demons. Use of Christ's name will give the disciples power to pray for the sick and they will recover. Use of Christ's name will give them power and authority to cast the broad net of the gospel and become fishers of men. Use of his name gives the disciples access to all that Christ is and has his resources. I remember when I first learned to drive and made my first trip to my grandparents' house from Springfield, Ohio, to Mount Vernon, Ohio, to visit them. 
And after I had uh, spent time visiting with them and was ready to go, my grandfather asked me, he says, how much gas do you have in the car? And I said, well, and I gave him a certain amount. I don't remember what it was, that being a few days ago. And he said, well, go up to the marathon station and tell Ken to fill it up and put it on my account. So I did as he said. I got in the car and I drove up to the marathon station and I said, I'm Adrian Scott. I'm Bruce Bass's grandson. And he told me to tell you to fill up the car and to put it on his account. And he said, okay. Filled the car up, and I drove off. He gave me use of his name and said that when you go see Ken at the marathon station, he has what you need, and he'll make sure you have enough gas to get home. There is no rival to Christ's power or authority. The Lord has no contemporary or competitor. For Christ declares that the Holy Spirit is being sent to the disciples in, by the Father, but in his name. And in verse 18, the Lord reiterates the promise of the Holy Spirit by saying, I will not leave you comfortless or leave you as orphans, as our ESV says. Jesus takes responsibility for their care. Christ emphasizes here the role of the Holy Spirit in the ensuing verses. The role, the importance of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the disciples and we as well. Promising not only the, pre the Holy Spirit's presence with them, but also says that he will be in you. Notice he didn't say that it will be in you, but he will be in you, the person of the Holy Spirit, who is also God. The obvious concern for the followers of Jesus is their welfare once Jesus has gone. Despite the promises of Jesus to this point, the disciples couldn't help but to wonder, what will become of us? How will we deal with the hostility of Rome how will we contend with the enemies of Christianity without a leader? How will a kingdom function without a present king? And Jesus responds to the concern of his disciples in verse 27 when he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Christ peace. The kind of peace that will let you sleep through a storm. Christ's peace. The kind of peace that helps you endure persecution, disciples. Christ's peace. Not just the absence of war, but Christ's peace. Not only an exemption from conflict, but Christ's peace. My peace and insurance, assurance of God's love, my peace, tranquility of soul, my peace, a quiet conscience. Not Rome's peace, it's too regional and it's temporal. Not Israel's peace, it's not 
It's only short-lived. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give. Pilate didn't say this. Jesus said it. Mary didn't say this. Jesus said my peace. Peter didn't say this. Jesus said my peace I leave. He can leave it because it's his to leave. You can't find this kind of peace. Searching the world over, you you can't find it. You can't find it in the vaunted halls and the hallowed spaces of grand cathedrals alone. You can't find it in a building. You can't find it in the vast qualities of volumes in the world's greatest libraries. You can't find it there. You can't negotiate for it. You can't barter for it. You can't purchase it. You can't borrow it. You certainly cannot invent it. Only Jesus can give it because it's only his to give. My peace I give. Jesus said, I give my peace. He didn't say he lent it, but he gives his peace. He didn't give it temporarily. There was no time frame given. It's not a temporary gift. He gave us. Enduring peace. Christ's peace is not seasonal, nor does it have an expiration date, and neither does it have a warranty to run out. I bequeath my peace, Jesus said. I'm leaving now. But I'm going to leave you my last will and testament. Let the soldiers have my clothes. Let my head be given to a crown of a thorn. My side, let it be given to a Roman spear and my back to those who would beat me. Give my borrowed tomb back to Joseph and leave my words for sacred literature and particularly the gospel, the word of God. I leave my example to the world. Judgment I leave upon sin. I give my tears to the lost house of Israel. I leave my legacy To the church, my mother, I commend to John. My blood for sin, and I commend my spirit to God the Father. But to the church, to those for whom he died, to those who are called and chosen before the foundation of the world, to those whom I know by name, to those who are part of the family of God, to those whose name is written, inscribed in eternity, I leave my peace. My peace, I leave my peace, I give. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. It only seems fair that if Jesus can leave us his peace, we can give him thanks. If Jesus can give us his peace, we ought to be able to give him our adoration. We ought to be able to give him our heartfelt worship, our praise, and our service. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Thank him for his irresistible grace. Thank him for his matchless mercy. If you need a reason to thank him, thank him for his constant kindness and his patience. Thank him for his provision and his thoughtfulness and his forgiveness. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord because he's good. Thank him because he chose us. 
Thank Him because of His divine favor. Thank Him because we have access to the Father. Thank Him for being our sin bearer, our mediator, our advocate, and our sacrifice for sin. During this Thanksgiving season, can we not find reason to give God thanks? My peace I leave. My peace I give. Not as the world gives, do I give unto you. Would you bow and pray with me, please? Father, we are thankful for this hour. We are thankful for your spirit that is not only with us, but in us. The comfort, the comfort that the spirit of God gives to us, Lord, for the spirit of truth, we are so thankful. And during this season of thanksgiving, may we give you thanks. For you indeed are good. Your mercies endure forever and ever. The pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain, break radiant through the shades of night, and chase my fears away, won't you chase my fears away?